0: Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. We want the Holy Spirit, all that He is, His power, His gifts, His ministry, His presence flowing in our life. But there are enemies of the Holy Spirit that we never want to allow these enemies to be in our lives. We want to be willing vessels. And we're going to discuss the two greatest enemies of the Holy Spirit today. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. It's wake-up call 089, the two greatest enemies of the Holy Spirit. This is the Faith For My Generation podcast. And I'm your host, AJ, and I'm happy to be your host. I'm glad that you're here. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 to set the scene, set the stage for this podcast episode. Acts 1 verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be a witness to me." The ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is to do exactly that, to empower us to be witnesses, witnesses of Christ. So what is a witness? A witness is someone that bears account of what they have seen, what they have heard, what they have experienced. That's what we do. We bear account. We give a witness, a testimony of who Christ is, what He has done in our life, and we share His Word his will with people and the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that and if we try to do that without the power of the Holy Spirit we will fail miserably I've been in situations I've been in times where I've ministered and led worship different things that I've done over the course of my life and I could tell you know if I wasn't under the anointing of the Holy Spirit it was very hard it was very difficult and it didn't produce much spiritual fruit not many people if any were saved Very few people convicted. Very few people even stirred up. But when I yield myself to the Holy Spirit and He operates and moves through me and I listen to Him and do my best to yield to Him and have His sweet presence and anointing flow through me, then it's heaven on earth. Then things happen. Mighty things, miracles, things that take place, that only take place by God, the hand of God that's when it happens and that's where we want to be but there are enemies of the holy spirit there are things that actively war against God the holy spirit now before we speak on these two enemies i want you to just understand and this is very brief this is not this is a short summary by at the most a short summary it is not an in-depth detail of what the Bible tells us about God the Holy Spirit his ministry and what he does but we can see in John 14 16 and 17 and tells us that the Holy Spirit in fact let me get there John 14 verse 16 and 17 and I will pray the Father and he will give unto you another helper a comforter that he may abide in you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive Because it never sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and you will be in, and he will be in you. So notice that. The Holy Spirit, he is the helper, the comforter. Parakletos is the Greek word for it. Someone who comes alongside to lock arms, to lead to God, to strengthen. He's the spirit of truth. If you go to John 15, same book, John 15 verse 26. But when the helper comes, the comforter comes, I will send To you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will testify of me. And you will also bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is the testifier of Christ Jesus. He empowers spiritual knowledge for us to understand who Jesus is. If you truly want to understand Christ, you must do it by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he is the giver of gifts in 1 corinthians 12 we see these powerful gifts that are given to the body of christ tongues interpretation of tongues prophecy those are the vocal gifts uh what we call those the speaking gifts uh, gifts of healings gift of miracles gift of faith these are power gifts the words of wisdom words of knowledge and discerning of spirits these are revelation gifts and so these Nine gifts that we see in 1 Corinthians 12. They are gifts that the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, gives severally as He wills. In other words, He disperses these gifts to whom He sees fit at the time needed and when it's needed for the glory of Christ to build the church. Romans chapter 1, verse 4 tells us that the Holy Spirit, He is the Spirit of holiness. You think that might be a play on words. Verse 4 says, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead but he is the Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness he is who empowers us to live holy and we are commanded to live holy first Peter one verse 15 or 16 says be holy for I am holy it's written be holy for I am holy so we're to live holy but we can't live holy in our own strength it has to be by the power of the Holy Spirit Isaiah 11, verse 2 says this The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, referencing Christ, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first, He is the Spirit of the Lord. He is the Spirit of wisdom, He is the Spirit of understanding. Wisdom and understanding, those are both things that we desire that the Apostle Paul prays in Ephesians 1 that would come in the body of Christ, spiritual understanding and wisdom. He is the spirit of counsel. He gives us instruction, just like in the sense of a counselor in like a court of law. You know, you have the right to have your own counsel, meaning a lawyer to defend you. But that lawyer, a team of lawyers gives you instruction, says we should probably argue this, we should probably do this type of plea, we should try to go for this law or uh, understand that the letter of the law says this, but we're going to try to say the spirit of the law is this, and they're giving counsel. The Holy Spirit gives us counsel, gives us instruction. He's the spirit of might, literally the spirit of power. He is the power of God. God, the Holy Spirit, is the power that works in the believer to bring about things according to the promises of God. He is the spirit of knowledge, of knowing God. And he is the fear of the Lord. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The Holy Spirit is the fear of the Lord. He is the fear of the Lord. When we're walking in the ways of God and the fear of the admonition of the Lord, and we're treading lightly before the Lord so that we might live holy and honor God in what we say and what we do and what we think, we're walking in the fear of the Lord. And He is the fear of the Lord. So we can see just from that very, again, just very short summary, that the Holy Spirit, He is the operating power in the life of the believer. Everything, really, and when we look at these promises of God in Scripture, the way they come to pass in us, yes, it's by faith. We receive the things of God by faith. But what is the power that brings heaven's promise to earth, that brings God's promise to the believer? What is it that actually brings about, for instance, healing in the body, Uh, forgiveness in the spirit, Answered prayer, convicting of heart so that people repent and they're saved, someone you've been praying for and they finally come to salvation. You know, financial needs being met, doors of opportunity being opened up so that you can produce and provide financially for yourself, for your family. Yeah. You know, uh, what what is it that empowers someone to, to preach the gospel, to be a minister, to teach the Bible, to grow a, a church family? To to win people to Christ. What is it that emboldens someone to stand up in front of people they don't know and tell them Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and none go to the Father but by Him? What is it, or rather who is it, that does these things in the life of the believer? It is the Holy Spirit. He is whom is working out the promises of God in the life of the believer. It is Him who convicts. It is Him who leads and directs and guides. It is Him who prays through us, Romans 8 verse 26, when we don't even know what to pray, but with groanings unutterable. It is Him who reveals to us the things of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that with the natural mind, we can't understand the things of God, but rather by our Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and shows us and gives us spiritual understanding. And so we can clearly see just in this few minutes that We want to nurture and we want to live in such a way that we grieve not the Holy Spirit. I guess the only way I can really say it, Ephesians chapter 4, that comes to my heart and my mind. Ephesians 4, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I don't want to be in a place where I grieve or sadden or sorrow the Holy Spirit. Is it 1 Thessalonians 5 that gives us another instruction, real short, quick instruction as well? 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. That word quench means like pour a bucket of water on a fire you know we're doing firecraft and royal rangers it's a boys group that i I teach in i've mentioned this before on the podcast and we're just finishing up firecraft. so they're learning different types of fires that you can build and of course we always got proper fire safety so we've always got a shovel and a couple buckets of water uh, because they got to put it out at the end of the uh, class anyway and we want to make sure it is completely put out but guess what? You start sprinkling some water on that fire and it dies down. You stir it around with that shovel in through the water and pour some more water and stir and pour and stir. And what was literally, literally to the intent of the word, burning hot. You're, I mean, the wood is combusting and producing flame and heat and you can cook over it. A little bit of water puts it right out. There are. If the scripture says do not quench the spirit, that means there are things that you and I can do, ways that we can live, decisions we can make that can actually quench or put water on the fire that the Holy Spirit wants to burn hot in us. If the scripture tells us do not grieve or make sorrowful the spirit of the Lord, there are things we can say, things we can think, things we can do that will actually bring sorrow to the spirit of God, And that's the last thing we want to do. That is the absolute last thing that I want to do. I don't want to ever be in a place where the Holy Spirit of God does not have free reign and, and, and has the ability to lead and guide and direct me. When He speaks, I want to hear Him very clearly. And you know, it's, it's kind of like in, in Elijah, in uh, 1 Kings 19, I believe it is, God, when Elijah's at this mountain god's you know there's some thunder and there's lightning and there's this boisterous wind but god's in none of those things but rather it's a small still voice that elijah hears oftentimes that's how the holy spirit speaks to us it's like a small still voice it's not lightning it's not thunder it's not a whirlwind it's the small still voice of the holy spirit speaking to our heart we want to be in a place that when we hear him we hear him well we hear him clearly and we quickly obey right i i, I want, when god tells me to do something i want to do it so quick that he says that's my boy <laughs> that's my boy i can trust him and that's what you want as well wow why, why on you know any given day that you're listening to this podcast why would you be taking time to listen to a christian podcast uh, to learn about the two greatest enemies of the holy spirit if you did not desire to live in such a way that you could flow with the holy spirit I want to read this short paragraph. It's written by Reverend Andrew Murray, mighty man of God in the late 1800s. He had a ministry in South Africa that grew worldwide, wrote many books, love his works. This book is entitled Receiving from God. And for the video watchers, it's in this compilation of seven books called Secrets of Authority by Andrew Murray. And this one, this book, it's seven books in one. This one is called Receiving Power from God. In chapter 5, under the subheading, The Spirit's Transforming Power, Reverend Murray writes this, Two great enemies obtained dominion over man when Adam sinned, the world and self. Of the world, Christ said, the Spirit of truth, whom he whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. John 14, 17. Worldliness is the greatest hindrance that keeps believers from living a spiritual life. Of self, Christ said, let him deny himself, Mark eight thirty four. Self, in all its forms, self-will, self-pleasing, self-confidence, renders life in the power of the Spirit impossible nothing can deliver us from these two great enemies except the cross of christ paul boasted in the cross by which he had been crucified to the world he told us that they that are christ have crucified the flesh galatians five twenty four. to live the spiritual life we must completely give up the old life to make room for the blessed spirit he will then be free to renew and transform our whole being into the will of god Man, I love that. I love his writings. I think they're so spirit-filled and powerful. But notice that. Reverend Andrew Murray gives us two enemies, the two greatest enemies of the working of the Holy Spirit, the transforming power of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. What are the two greatest enemies or two greatest opponents of that power working itself in us? The first, he said, is worldliness. And he uses John chapter 14, verse 17, tells us this. John fourteen verse seventeen, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Notice that the world, the spirit of this age, cannot receive the spirit of truth, because it neither sees him, nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you, and you will be, in, and he will be in you. Plainly put, there are essentially two spirits that can fill us and empower us. The spirit of this world, which is the spirit of Antichrist, which is the spirit of error, or it's the spirit of truth, which is the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And if you're in the world, or filled with worldliness, that's in complete opposition to the spirit of truth. Because you can't have one foot in the world and one in the Spirit. 1 John 4, verse 4 says this, You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them referring, this is referring to verse 1, these false prophets who do not have the Spirit of God. Verse 6 of John, 1 John 4, verse 6, We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of error. So there is a spirit born that when you're born of God that you receive the spirit of truth. But if you're born of this world, it is the spirit of error. John chapter 3, Jesus said this to the Pharisee Nicodemus who was searching for salvation and asking questions of Jesus. John 3, 3 says this, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say unto you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We must be born again, and we have to be born again into the family of God by way of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that no one can say that Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Spirit of God. So when you put your faith in Jesus, it is because we have surrendered to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, hearing the gospel, because the Bible tells us in Romans 10, none can be saved unless they hear. They have to hear because faith comes by hearing and hearing the gospel, hearing the Word of God. So when we hear the Word of God, we put our faith in it. We choose to trust what God has said, and it is under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and we are born again. And how are we changed from a dead sinner to a new living creation in Christ, a saint, holy unto God? How do we go from those two things? It is a work of the Spirit. It's not a work of man. It's not the will of man. For John chapter 1 tells us that. It's not the will of man. It's not the will of the flesh. But it's born, being born of God. And it's by the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, He is in opposition to the spirit of this world. For the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. We saw that in 1 John 4. But the spirit of this world, the spirit of Antichrist, is the spirit of error. The spirit of deception. Jesus said in John chapter 8 to the Pharisees, He said, you guys are just like your dad. And they said, our, our dad's Abraham. You know, our lineage is Abraham. No, no. Your father is the father of lies. He's a murderer and a liar. And he's been a murderer and a liar from the beginning. He's the father of lies. He's the devil. Well, the spirit of the devil is that, the spirit of error, the spirit of deception, the spirit of murder, the spirit of lying. And His Spirit is in direct opposition of the Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of the, the law, the Spirit of life in Christ, Romans 8, 1 and 2. That is the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of adoption. of uh, Galatians chapter 4, that we cry forth, Abba, Father, by the Spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit. And so when we're born of God, we're born into this kingdom of God. And we are no longer part of this world. So we don't think like this world thinks because we don't have the spirit of error any longer in us. And so the first great enemy of the Holy Spirit is worldliness. It's the spirit of error. It's allowing the deceptions, the lies, the deceits, of the spirit of error that's in the earth to permeate fill our heart or our mind or get in have a toehold Ephesians 4:27 says give no place to the devil give no foothold no toehold don't even allow the smallest little chink in your armor the little crack for the for Satan to wage his deception and sneak himself into your life don't don't allow it do not allow it no don't do it don't do it for the spirit of error is in opposition To the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Now, Reverend Andrew Murray gives us the second great enemy of the Holy Spirit, the second enemy that we must fight against so that the Holy Spirit can have free reign in us, which is what we want. We're members of the faithful, we love Jesus, we're sold out to Christ, we have killed off casual Christianity, and we want the Holy Spirit to move through us. The second great enemy that we must fight against and be on the guard for is self. It's self. It's flesh. It's the flesh. You know, it's interesting in 1 Corinthians 3, what is it, verse 16? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Well, 1 Corinthians 6 does the same thing. It tells us verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we're actually to live in such a way. We're to carry ourselves. There are some things physically we should not do, Some things we should do, there's things we should say, shouldn't say. There's a way we should live that actually creates the temple for the Spirit of God to dwell in, our bodies. Our bodies, our flesh bodies. Think about it in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God dwelled in first a tabernacle, then a temple both things created by the hands of man but now the spirit of god resides in temples formed by the hand of god you and i for we are fearfully and wonderfully created in our mother's womb we were knit together by the hand of god and when we're redeemed we're washed clean and we're to live holy for the spirit of god to inhabit and dwell in us this is why self or the flesh is an enemy of the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 8, to use the same reference that Reverend Andrew Murray used, Mark chapter 8 verse 34 says this, When he called the people to himself, and with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? We have to crucify the flesh. We have to deny self so that we can have him, Christ Jesus, by the Spirit of God living in us. And we do this by taking up the cross. The cross is a place of death. Just plainly put, it's not very fun. doesn't make you warm and fuzzy inside. But simply put, the cross is a place of death. And death to what? Death to self. Now, that doesn't mean death to your personality. Death necessarily to your likes or your interests or your desires, as long as they're sanctified by God. If they're wrong, yes, then kill them off. <laughs> it means death... To self-will, self-dependence, or as Andrew Murray used in a little bit more archaic way, but self-confidence and the idea of um, I'm okay because I can take care of things. In me, I have power. I can work myself wholly unto God. No, 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 no. It's by the Spirit of God. Not by my hands, not by the work of the flesh, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Galatians chapter 5 Of course, in Galatians chapter five, it it gives us teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we're going to bear fruit, just like when sap in an apple tree flows, it produces apples. You know, we're releasing this. This is what September uh, twenty. Is it twenty fifth? September twenty fifth. When we drop this episode, so we're in peak season for picking apples. We just picked some apples a week or so ago with my family. Well, the sap, the water, and the nutrients in soil got picked up by roots of an apple tree, goes up the trunk of an apple, out the branches, and at the tips of these branches, it pushes out a little bud, and then that bud becomes an apple. And over time, over the season, that apple grows and gets filled with juice. It has a peel. It has meat. It has a seed. It's a full triune being. Seed, meat, and peel. It's amazing. There's a trinity in just about everything in creation. And so when you pull that apple, eat it, crunch it, man, they're so good. I love gala apples, Fiji, crunchy sweet apples, love them. But why is it an apple? Because the sap in the tree produces apples. Why does the tree have fruit? Because there's life flowing up in that tree. And you and I produce fruit because the life of the Spirit of God is dwelling in us. And in Galatians 5, it tells us, first off, how not to walk. We don't walk according to the flesh, verse 17, but we walk according to the Spirit, And so what does the walk of the Spirit look like? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And then it says this, verse 24, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with His passions and desires. Verse 25, If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. So there is a crucifixion of the flesh, of the self-life, of dependence upon ourselves, but also desires that are not sanctified unto God. It's it's I don't want to do that. Well, I don't care if you know I'm supposed to forgive. They shouldn't have done that to me. Do you know what they did? You telling me to forgive them? Do you not know what they did to me? No, 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 no. We got to crucify that because it's an enemy of the Holy Spirit. And we when we crucify the flesh, it puts us in a place. To live and flow in the Holy Spirit. When it comes right down to it, it comes down to faith. And faith simply is obedience to God's instruction. I'm going to leave you with this. Acts chapter 5 verse 32 says this, And we are His witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. It's simply put, when we walk in obedience, we will crush these enemies by the Spirit of God in our life. Worldliness, we're not gonna be part of this world and its spirit of error. We're living holy. We don't run from the world. We're not recluse. No, we engage people and win people to Christ. We're not hiding in a hole till Jesus comes back, but we're not operating or allowing the spirit of this world to contaminate or infiltrate our minds. No, we're not of this world and we're not allowing the flesh to run the uh, run our life either. We're allowing the holy spirit to lead and guide us, to empower our spirit. You know, Dr. Uh, Pastor Lester Sumrall said this. He said, "The spirit makes a wonderful master, but a terrible slave. And the the flesh and the soul make terrible masters, but wonderful slaves." And in the sense of who we are, spirit, soul, and a body, our spirit should be in charge and our soul and our flesh should submit to God's truth and glorify God in what we do. And when we do that, we crush the two greatest enemies of the Holy Spirit. So so I encourage you, allow the Holy Spirit, me too as well. In fact, you know what? I like when we do this. Let's pray together. Lord, in Jesus' name, this is what we ask. If any sight or any entrance of these enemies of the Holy Spirit, worldliness and self, if they're found in us, Lord, highlight it, reveal it. And then by your power, help us remove these enemies out of our life because we want to be completely yielded and submitted and sold out to you. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, if that's your prayer, I want you to say amen. I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for every time you join in on the Faith for My Generation podcast. Make sure you always tune in again on Thursdays. Uh, if you're listening the day this episode drop, it's Monday. And, of course, we always have a second episode come up on Thursday. Those are replays of live streams that I do through my church ministry, Gospel Tabernacle Church. If you're not connected with us, find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. We also have a podcast channel of where we put up the Sunday morning teachings, Gospel Tabernacle Church. You can go to gtlorens.com, find all that information. And so I do live stream Bible studies on Thursdays, and then I put those up for replay here on the podcast channel. You can get all that concerning the Faith for My Generation podcast at faithformygeneration.com. Wherever you're watching or listening has a link, takes you to the website and you can see the 180 some odd plus episodes we've released thus far. And guess what? We're just getting started. I'm so thankful that you're a member and part of the faithful. And remember, we want to live holy unto God. We never want to allow these enemies of the Holy Spirit into our life because we want to be full of fire, full of faith, full of the Spirit because we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. God richly bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.